0: It's time, it's time, time, time to get in the zone, time to
1: get in the zone
0: with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian.
2: We are Odyssey's 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Reddick and Zane Knockby. back for another bi-week kind of edition. We got some fun stuff planned for the show that I'm pretty excited about that you guys will see in the coming weeks got some more guests coming up like we used to do back in the day. And we're just kind of revving up to do some more cool things with the show. So I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that guys. How are you feeling going into the bye week You feel good? You feel positive?
1: I feel great. I mean, like I said, they really, this team needed, this team needed the momentum going into the bye that a win would bring them. Uh, and I didn't expect it to be a demolition like it was. And so uh, it, it feels like this team is feeling itself a little bit. And I know as fans, I think we are as well. And so like like Zane said on uh, on Sunday, it's it, it's almost like I, I kind of wish there wasn't a bye this week uh, just because there is a lot of momentum after that win. But uh, it'll be nice that uh, we've got, I, I think, uh, Matt Barrows power ranked, I believe, the 11 players expected to come back after the bye uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it, I think it's a good time to be a 49ers fan.
0: It really is. And they had that get right, win right before the buy. And now they have a chance to, like, we, we talked about this last week as well. Like it's a psychological thing where last week there were three and five heading in the buy this, this, or last year they had three, and five in the bye. this, this year they're four and four. I think that if you were to go into the buy with the same record as they had last year, psychologically that would have just been just so crushing. I, and I know it's only one game, but they're right in the thick of the division. Seattle, they're one game back at Seattle. Seattle's not going to, they're not going to continue what they've been doing. Like Geno Smith is the number three right quarterback. He's not going to do that. They're not going to do that all season. So I think they'll catch Seattle. I think the Niners, hopefully if we saw what they we saw from them the second half on Sunday, they should win the division. Like they looked like an absolute juggernaut with the way that they put the Rams away. And I know that the Rams aren't, aren't a very good team this year. And that I believe, Brian, you tweeted out earlier that that Super Bowl victory is looking more and more suspect. Or you tweeted out something around along that line that that Super Bowl victory is looking more and more sus. Now, it's just one of those things where when they look good, they look as good as any team in the league. They look like they are world beaters. Like the way that they played in the second half against the Rams. Like if they had not played that way in the entire game or at any point during during the game against the Chiefs, they would have had much a much better chance of winning that game. And To me, I think I want to see consistency from them after the buy, and I think that getting players back is going to help with that because you're getting a bunch of starters back too, and you're getting a bunch of depth pieces back as well that are rotational pieces that you're used to seeing. So consistency to me is what I want to see from this team in the second half, and the wins will take care of themselves after that point.
2: I can't believe where everybody – how the tables have turned in a week. How the turn tables in (laughs) a week. So, my, and my. it's not just, it's not just like the fans, it's the national media too. Like I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons podcast, which I'm a big fan of. He had Ben Solak on maybe, and they kept talking about the Super ben. Bowl teams and yeah, he's good. He's good. And um kept mentioning the Niners and all this and that and the Niners. Listen, I know I'm the wet blanket the East Coaster negative guy, but the Niners. Okay. And I'm not even going to go, but let's talk about just the last two years. Right. Going back to 2020. I wanted to start on the trade deadline and Jeff Wilson, but you got me going guys. Congratulations. Everybody's all, Oh yeah, we killed the Rams. Yeah. They're four and against the Rams the last two years. Right. And eight and against them going back and whatever else, but they're 10 and 11 against everybody else. So again, if they came out, maybe if it was a different team, I would feel better. And maybe this is the start of something. I don't know. Like I said in the last show, if you told me this team was going to go 13 and four, I'd say, okay. If you told me they're going to go seven and 10, I'd say, okay, I have no idea what team is going to show up for week to week. And until I see that, until they run off three in a row, four out of five, I don't want to hear it after Rams week. I'm not saying don't be positive. I'm not saying don't enjoy Christian McCaffrey. Have fun. A win's a fun thing. But I can't take the Super Bowl stuff until I see more. I can't. And it's like everywhere right now. Did we forget that they just lost to the Falcons and the Chiefs made them look like a JV team? I know there were injuries and I know they're going to get healthier. They lost to the Bears. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Let's see consistency first. I just, I don't know. It's good to be positive, I guess. I just, I'm a negative New Yorker
1: and i don't i don't think i don't think the conversation is about who is going to win the super bowl but when you're talking about the nfc you've got to look at it and take a 1000 foot view and go yeah this nfc kind of sucks i mean it re- it really does yeah. there there isn't really a dominant team in the nfc even the eagles who are undefeated i mean part of why they're undefeated is they're playing well i don't want to take anything away but their schedule has been pretty pretty cake and not to say that the 49ers haven't they got to play the bears they got to play the Falcons, although we're again we are talking about the NFC South leading Falcons. Let's not forget that. Um, but but that's the thing is this NFC is 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 wide open. And so when you see a team put on a performance like the 49ers did, even if part of as, as fans, we realize that they've been inconsistent in putting those type of performances in. But when you see a performance like that, especially I think as a national you know, as a national talking head, you look at that and go, Oh man, I mean, if they can do that every week, who's going to beat them in the NFC. And I think that's more the conversation, but I, I honestly think that what we saw on offense this past Sunday, this, this offense had reached its ceiling with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is part of why they moved on to Trey Lance, right? Because they recognize, Hey, you know what? There's really nothing that we could do to make this offense better. And part of why they thought that is they probably never thought that they could get a Christian McCaffrey. And honestly, it feels like I'm not trying to put too much on on Christian McCaffrey, but it genuinely feels like it was the missing piece to elevate a Jimmy Garoppolo offense by giving him a, a genuine and real outlet, which he hasn't really had since being the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And so now, instead of forcing a throw over the middle to Kittle or to Debo, right, he knows, hey, I've got this security blanket out here. I I know Christian's in the flat. I know Christian's running this route, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, you might not see as many mistakes from Jimmy Garoppolo, because he doesn't feel like he has to force it in there. And I think that is I think that is the realization that that I had that said okay, this offense might take a step forward even though Jimmy Garoppolo is under center.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think I agree with that as well that when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, I think we even commented on the show that this is the the perfect player for Jimmy Garoppolo to have. And I think, Brian, you said that you made that comment because he he dumps it off and checks it down. So he he's it down the field. And we saw on the weekend what a Christian McCaffrey does to a defense, just his presence, not even him getting the ball, even his presence on the field changes a game. And when his you have gravity. a guy like that, it's, he's literally he's gravity. And when when you have a guy like that on your team that can change a game like that without even having the ball. I think that that's the, the, the best type of player. And I know that Alec, you're you're not on you're on team. Don't pay a running back, but when it's a guy like this and, and a guy that can change a game in this way, I think that you do pay that guy. I think you do make that move. And I and that I'm really glad that they did because this is the way that they looked on Sunday, at least in the second half, because look, we know that that McCaffrey is still getting acclimated. He didn't have the full playbook. I said before that the real install is actually coming this week, right? During the bye. This is when he's gonna get the full install of the playbook, all of his responsibilities, all that stuff, right? And then it's just off to the races after this, if you can say healthy. So I think that adding him has, has is going to be the difference and is going to be the, the thing that puts him over the top. Like, look, after this, after the bye, they've got a wounded Chargers team in, in prime time. So the Niners even get that extra few hours of rest before the game. I mean, who knows if that makes a difference or not, right? But this is a really injured team, and if we're if we're guys that are game time positions, game time decisions, that like you get the extra level of treatment that you wouldn't get if it was like a morning game. So you've got the Chargers, you've got the Cardinals, then the Saints, and then the Dolphins, and then and then Tom Brady is coming here for his basically swan song game, right? And who knows what's going to happen there. But you've got four games there, all of them are winnable, and regardless of how the managers play, right? Like if they play poorly or good, I feel like all of those games are winnable. You've got a wounded Chargers team. You've got the Cardinals who are woefully underperforming the saints without Michael Thomas for the rest of the year. That just came out today that he's going to be missing the rest of the year. And you go is to Dolphins missed? team.
1: Are you serious?
0: Yeah, yeah. he's done. Oh, oh my goodness. Holy yeah. cow. Okay. So can't guard Mike is out for the rest of the year. So you can, Al, like that, that three or four game stretch. That they can stack some of that right now, right? Just right off the bye. like they're not leaving the West Coast. The further the furthest they're going is Mexico City, and that's it, right? But there's no more East Coast games. There's no bad weather games. They're going to be out here on the West Coast. Their their body clocks will be acclimated to it. So this is the time for them to make a run. If it's going to happen, I feel it's going to happen over the next four to six games.
1: They have and the uh, fourth. I would say they have the fourth easiest uh, remaining schedule based on a, uh, opponents' win loss record. Uh, in the nfl
2: and the wise man said we'll see we'll see what happens all right <laughs> <Come> now <on. laughs> i am we will see I'm not saying it's not going to happen i'm saying the wettest of blankets we'll see I, i've been hurt too many times and i will not allow myself to be hurt again
1: i i, I understand hurt. that i understand been that hurt. Been
2: hurt. I, been hurt. I got nothing left it. to bleed man i got nothing left to bleed i'm not you remember the guy in um <laughs> What is it major league two? Was it Randy Quaid when he's out, just he's losing his shit out? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love I'm that. I'm not movie. there. I'm not they'll there. blow it in the playoffs. But, they but will. They'll but, um, blow right it in exactly. They'll fumble. Somebody's gonna get hurt. You watch. Um, <laughs> I'm not there, but emotionally I'm so scarred that I'm not gonna allow myself
0: to feel joy until um take a <laughs> So long. Jimmy Garoppolo plays playing the version of he's playing Ricky Vaughn, right? He's there the you role. But yeah. he's
1: but he's playing Ricky Vaughn when he gets his haircut again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the Ricky Vaughn that can't throw his fastball anymore in yeah. Major League Two. Yeah, he's yeah. playing the one that brings Randy Quaid back. That's the thing, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is going to bring you back, Al. He's going to do you, something and he's going to bring you back.
2: Maybe I'll grow in the sides because I'm bald. For yes. those who don't know, enough. I'll grow in the sides and I'll shave the things in the back of my neck yes. like Rick Vaughn, and I'll yes. be back. We'll yes. see. We'll see. All right. Yes. So I am typically team don't pay a running back but I, it's changing a little bit before i do that i want to get into the trade the niners made the post mccaffrey yes trade, the trade up for jeff wilson um and listen wilson was going to be a free agent at the end of the year the niners got something for him do i think the Niners running backs are going to stay healthy i worry about that so what i've traded him i, I don't know I may have, if you're in for this year, I might've kept him around, but I, it sounded like Wilson wanted to be moved. It sounded like they honored that. And it's, I don't disagree with that. You're getting something for probably somebody who maybe wouldn't have been in your plans next year. If you figure Mitchell and McCaffrey are going to be your one 2 I get it completely. You drafted Ty Davis price, totally get it. But what I did want to do is just give a little respect to Jeff Wilson, because this was an undrafted free agent who came to the team in 2018. We had him on the show then, and he was, I'm not just saying this, he was one of the nicest people we've ever interviewed. Super nice guy, super engaging on and off, really, really liked him. And in four plus seasons with the Niners, he started 15 games. He had 390 carries for 1,733 yards, 15 rushing TDs, 45 receptions for 387 yards and four TDs. He had 435 total touches, 2,120 total yards and 19 touchdowns. His best season was in 2020 when he led the team with 600 yards rushing and he scored 10 total TDs that year, he's got five plus rushing yard games and the only player with more TDs than him are Kittle since this start of 2018 are Kittle and Debo. So listen, you don't expect anything from an undrafted free agent when somebody comes in and he was never really the starter. He just always had to come in and for people who were injured and he always stepped up. So best of luck to him in Miami. He's one of those players who kind of demanded respect for me because of what he went out there and did. So he's always been sort of a fan favorite of mine. Um, sad to see him go, but I understand it. And I hope, I hope he does well in Miami. I think he'll always have a role in the NFL because he is a good, he is a good bath to have on your team.
1: Yeah. The, the move made sense to me on, on a bunch of different levels. One, just talk about what kind of incredible value do you get by signing a guy as an undrafted free agent in 2018 you know, giving him contracts, which amounted to veteran minimums uh once his rookie contract was over. And then you flip him for a fifth round pick, which in, in Santa Clara is the equivalent of an all pro player, right? You're talking about George Kittle. You're talking about, you know, um <clears throat> uh Dre Greenlaw, right? Uh They turn fifth round picks into, into great players. So, you know, will that continue? Hopefully, but we'll see. But not only that, But even even with the injury situation with the running backs, you've got Elijah Mitchell coming back. You've got Ty Davis Price. You've got Jordan Mason. And you also have Tevin Coleman on the practice squad. So there is a lot of there are a lot of bodies there that if if somebody does go down and God forbid, it's 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 the top dog CMC. But if somebody does go down, there is depth there to to weather that without Jeff Wilson. But the one thing that Jeff Wilson offered that none of those other backs do, except for Tevin Coleman, is his receiving ability out of the backfield. And so uh, I was reading, uh, uh, Matt Barrows had uh, a mailbag article today on The Athletic, and somebody had asked him about whether we would see, when Mitchell came back, if we would see a lot of that uh, pony personnel which is what they call it when they have two backs on the field, but it's two running backs, right? So this past Sunday, it was a lot of Jeff Wilson and Christian McCaffrey. And the one thing that Barrows brought up was the one thing that Jeff Wilson offers that that Ty Davis-Price doesn't and Elijah Mitchell doesn't is receiving ability out of the backfield uh, and also size enough to 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 be a lead blocker if, if necessary. And so the one thing that I am wondering is – could we see Jordan Mason step up into that role? Because one of the one of the essentially one of the strengths of Mason's game was his receiving ability out of the backfield at Georgia Tech. He displayed it a little bit in the preseason, and he's a bigger guy. And so I'm wondering if, you know, if we see some of that pony personnel with Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason, especially if Uzchek doesn't come back after the bye, like we anticipate he is, it is a broken, I don't, is it, it's a broken finger, right? It's not a broken yeah. hand. He needed so, surgery
2: though on it, so I don't know how long he's gonna Yeah, be. that's what I'm saying. I don't know, actually, yeah. I don't know
1: how long. Um, I mean, I thought, I also thought Ross Dwelly did great filling in for him uh, and he had that long reception. But uh, but yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, you know, and 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 I, I always remember that my Jeff Wilson Jr. game is that game against the Patriots in, in Foxborough where he just mm-hmm. ran all over mm-hmm. them um that's the one that i always remember and so uh I, I loved jeff wilson i never had a bad thing to say about him uh you know he seemed to be a, a leader in the locker room and somebody that, that that the rest of the team really enjoyed and then i always i always loved that idea of him going to that dark place right before before games you know you you just said he was one of the nicest guys you've ever interviewed and yet on the field you know he turns into a madman and so uh yeah big respect and and glad that he's going somewhere where i think he's going to have a uh, an ability to make an impact uh, and he's rejoining Mike McDaniel and Raheem Mostert. So good for Jeff.
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, I, I kind of echo that same sentiment, about Jeff Wilson, Jr. Like he was one of my, he was one of my favorite kind of unsung 49ers. And my Jeff Wilson moment is, and it's, it's kind of funny. Cause like people will be like, well, you're talking about like a backup running back, but no, it's, it's, it's more so that because he was a team player. Like he wasn't expected to contribute at all. Right. And he comes in mm-hmm. and it seemed like whenever they called his number, he was able to produce either a touchdown or a big play like for a while, like out the stat that you put out about Jeff Wilson uh, being third in touchdowns. He was number one in touchdowns for two seasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, while, while Kittle and Debo were still getting their feet underneath them. And he was he, he had the most touchdowns on the team for a couple of seasons there. And it seemed like every time he touched the ball, it was it was near the goal line. And he was able to get in uh, my Jeff Wilson moment is is that Arizona game in twenty nineteen when. The Niners came back from, I believe it was 16 down. They were, they were losing 16 nothing. Came all the way back, and uh, almost as time was expiring, with a, with less than 30 seconds left, he hit that angle route. Jimmy hit him. Didn't even see him. Like the, the, you, There was a, an NFL Films thing later on where Jimmy was mic'd up, and he was like, I didn't even see you. I threw it to a spot and hoped that you were there. He was in the right spot and was able to come in uh, to the end zone untouched, and it was a huge win for the team at the time. Um, and he just seemed to always – have a nose for the end zone. And I, for one, couldn't think of a better place for him to go than Miami with Mike McDaniel over there, former offensive coordinator. It's like the Breedow was over there for a little bit too, right? So it's like a it's like an old Niners reunion with with most who are currently there, Jeff Wilson currently there. Brida was there in the past. So they they like to take the running backs and become the South Beach 49ers. But it, his contributions, like he was a hard runner. I still to this day, I believe that during the Super Bowl, they should have featured him more. And the reason why is because yards were hard to come by with the running game. He was a tough runner could catch a ball out of the backfield. And I, and I really thought that that was the advantage that they had against the chiefs in the super bowl was that the chiefs linebackers couldn't cover. And I just thought it would be angle rounds and dump offs to Jeff Wilson all day. And they just, you know, obviously we know how that went down, but the, the thought about Elijah Mitchell as a pass catcher. So, you know, I feel like he, if, if we were to compare what Mostert was as a pass catcher and what Elijah Mitchell is as a pass catcher, I would say that like, you know, in terms of hierarchy of pass catching of 49ers running backs, Jeff Wilson obviously would be near the top. If you, if you take away CNC, right. Cause he's only been here for a couple weeks. Wilson would have been at the top. Then I would rank Mitchell below him. And then Mostert below him. Uh, Mitchell had 20 targets last year. He caught 19 of them. Right. So he's a pretty sure-handed player when he has the ball in his hands, catching the ball. It's just that I don't know if they can feature him the same way that they feature Jeff Wilson out of the backfield, catching the ball. Do they need to now with Christian McCaffrey at this point. I don't think so. But to me, my dream is just to have just so much speed on the field where you have Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell on the field at the same time. Now it's like, well, what do you do with that? Right. You've got a guy that can, both of the those guys are home run hitters. So to me, like as much as I hate to see Jeff Wilson go, like that idea of Mitchell and McCaffrey on the field at the same time is just so intriguing to me. And it's just going to be such a matchup nightmare for opposing defensive coordinators. So you
2: mentioned I'm on team, never pay running back. And typically I am um, as special as they can be. You see what Brees Hall was doing for the jets. And then he, you know, he tears his ACL running backs, just running backs, just get hurt. McCaffrey's had his injury issues too, but the NFL is going in a different direction. And it seems like now the teams that are at least even somewhat ready to compete, these draft picks aren't as valuable as they used to be. And everybody is trading them now for stars. And I'm all about that in the off season, Lynch did an interview and he talked about how maybe this they had to take their foot off the gas right now. And I really didn't like that because I thought they were close to winning, even with the young quarterback at the time. And the and the other teams were loading up. The Bills, the well, Denver tried to, the Chargers have tried to. <laughs> and the Rams had success with that. That's what teams were doing. They were loading up. So when they made this trade for McCaffrey, I don't care about the draft picks. Are any of those draft picks you traded going to be Christian McCaffrey? Probably not. So you're a team that can win in the next two or three years. To me, that was probably worth it. You're probably only going to have two or three years of McCaffrey, really, at, you know this type of level, and that's fine. That's what you traded for. You're trying to win now. You're not rebuilding and like, oh, can he help us for the next six years? No, you want a championship the next two or three years. So I love the trade. I still do. I think it injected life into the team. But yeah, just the way the NFL is going, you see what the Dolphins are doing, where they, they add Nick Chubb, uh, the Ravens add- um, Bradley Chubb.
1: Not Nick. Bradley Bradley.
2: Chubb, I'm sorry, I had right. Nick Chubb in my head for running backs. Bradley yeah. Chubb, keep me in line, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> keep me in line, buddy. Keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, yeah. But, right. So Bradley Chubb and um, Roquan Smith got added to the Ravens. They, they're going for it. I have no issue with that. You even see what the Dolphins they they traded for all those picks for Trey Lance and and they turn into Tyree Kill and they turn into Bradley Chubb and it's just I love the way the league's going. I love that these these teams have their foot on the gas it's fun. It's been a weird year, but it's fun now to see these teams go all in and really push for championships.
1: Yeah. This was the I, most I fun
2: it,
0: NFL. Right. Oh, go ahead. I hate to say it, but I think that uh Miami won that Trey trade. Lance. <laughs> I hate to say TBD, but in the short term. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. But as I say, this is the most fun trade deadline in, in NFL history. It's also the most active trade deadline in NFL history. And, and I think, I think what we learned from it is that, like you said, Al, there is a little bit of a shift in philosophy. Uh, It looks like Zane. I think Zane froze. He has this smile on his face right now that is just (laughs) sitting there. I love it. uh, But what was I? do think. I do think uh, the the landscape has shifted, and and I have to wonder if part of that is because you're going to see an explosion in the salary cap starting next mm-hmm. year and it makes it <clears throat> those draft picks were cherished for so long because there were only a handful of stars that you could have on your team and pay and and not have to supplement with cheap young talent which is what you get in the draft and so because the salary cap is exploding you no longer have to worry as much about that roster construction and having too many stars or having too many players that you're paying. And then if you're the 49ers, you've got you've got Parag Marate, who for, for all the, the scorn that a lot of uh, fans give him, he's a wizard when it comes to those contracts. And unlike the Rams, the 49ers have a lot of players that they have paid and some that they still need to pay. Mm -hmm. And yet they're still in such a better financial position than the Rams for years to come. I mean, I heard on, uh, I think it was the athletic football show with Robert Mays. I'm pretty sure what I heard from them is that the Rams have $7 million in cap space in 2024. Right? Already projecting ahead just $7 million. And we're talking about a cap that is jumping by as much as I think by 2024, I think it's going to be like almost 30% of what it is from, from uh, now, right? 30% more. So just the fact that, that the 49ers are in that position and in the position to send those picks that they did to bring Christian McCaffrey in and be able to absorb that contract even next year, right? Because that contract is not cheap. It's, it's 36 million over the next 3 years only one of which is guaranteed. So I I am um, I think it's safe to say he will renegotiate that contract this offseason and it will probably lower his cap hit. But I, I it was a lot of fun and then the other thing that came out of this uh today uh is that the Dolphins traded for Bradley Chubb and then signed him to a what amounts to 5-year, 110 million dollar Uh, contract extension. 68.3 million of it is guaranteed. So an annual average value of $22 million. And I know I tweeted out today, it kind of gives you an even better idea about what Nick Bosa's contract is going to look like. Cause Bradley Chubb came into the league a year prior to Bosa and he has seven less sacks and just way less production than Bosa did on top of being more injured than Bosa has been right. Bosa has missed the 2020 season because of that knee injury, but that's been it. Um, And, and so I have to think Bosa seeing 80 plus million guaranteed. And I I think he's going to crack 30 million in annual average value, uh, which is crazy to think, but that's also one of the advantages of having a rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract.
2: We have a mailbag question about Bosa. So we'll get into that a little more. Um, Zane, did you have any comments on the, the way the NFL is going here,
0: um, I I like going. So here's the thing: there's a balance between going all in and being prudent with the cap. And I feel like when you understand that you're you have a a right team and an open window, that's obviously the time to go in, right? But like a lot of teams, they're they're still scared of sacrificing the future for that, and they don't make those trades. And you can argue that the Niners. You know, in the past, in the Harbaugh years, they never really addressed the wide receiver position outside of Crabtree. But I mean, they had chances to add guys to championship rosters. Like, also, uh, as an aside, do you guys remember the the wide receivers that they trotted out for the the 2011 championship game? It was <sighs> Crabtree, Brett Swain, Brett Swain, and Joe Hastings. Like that was that was the group you were trotting <laughs> out for a championship game for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Which is why I never thought that would, they would have beaten Brady in the Super Bowl, anyways, because you're not winning with that offense. So. Anyways, as an aside, so I think that, you know, I'm glad to see them making those moves and this team has been aggressive, right? Like despite what people say, they have been aggressive. They have made trades. They have made those like win now moves, right? Trent Williams was another one, right? That was mm-hmm. like you, you trade for a hall of fame left tackle and you paid him too. So I think that it's not just, they don't just rent guys, right? We look at the Emmanuel Sanders trade and we're like, Oh, well, you know, they didn't resign him. So whatever. But the point, the point is not that they didn't resign. Him. The point is that they, they, made that trade and he immediately paid off and they made a run with him right the fact that they didn't close the deal i mean like that goes beyond you know trading for a wide receiver right that was that was beyond that Emmanuel Sanders trade they they lost for factors other than because of factors other than that so i love that that the nfl is moving towards this it makes it more exciting it adds more parity it forces teams to pay their players which is great because we want to see our teams hold on to our favorite players and it kind of adds a, an element of randomness to the league, which when the Niners aren't playing, and that's awesome. I, I love randomness. When the Niners play, obviously, I want to bank on them winning. But it, it it does add this this new aspect to the league, which is really, really fun.
1: Scared money don't make money.
0: Yep.
2: <laughs> so getting into some of these questions, we had to move to mailbag mail portion of the show. But somebody left put a message in the, in the comments that I thought was a good one to start this off. If Trey Lance becomes Jalen Hurts, do the 49ers win the trade? So I don't know... I don't know that the Miami has lost the trade in any. No matter what happens, I think Miami has has done good in this trade that they've ended up with Chubb and Hill, and they're winning. And but can the Niners also win the trade? And yeah, that that's what you're looking for is just for for Lance to become just a franchise guy, which it looks like Hertz is going to become. And obviously, Super Bowl is the goal. But Super Bowl, listen, not everybody's going to win a Super Bowl. You just want the Niners to to be in the dance and have a chance every year, and have Lance to be a guy that you could build around. And if that happens, I think I think you could say they both have won the trade based on what the early returns for Miami and what Lance would be. But Lance is one big TBD to me right now. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Was that good, huh? You guys got nothing. Was that good of an answer? Yeah. You guys well, got I mean, running like, running but...
0: <laughs> I, I do, I do not want to get to the yeah. mailbag, but, but you know, it's, it's so hard to say, like, I know I say like, Oh, well, Miami won the trade. It was more so in jest. Like it's really hard to say who wins and loses trades because there's ripple effects that go on to franchises for years beyond like, the initial trade, right? Like you don't know what effect like three, four years down the line, this is going to have. Right. And on top of that, if the Niners, yeah, like you say, if the Niners are perennially perennially contending every year and you know, the chiefs, or sorry, the, the chiefs have Tyreek kill. So if, if the, uh, if the dolphins end up, you know, kind of fizzling out just after this year, then, you know, we're, we're, it's a, it's a totally different conversation, but I respect both teams for making those trades because they're, they are win now moves. And it takes a lot of balls to make those two moves. And I respect them a lot. And I think that both teams are going to be really fun to watch. Like I have a soft spot for Mike McDaniel. I always will. And I will yeah. always wish the Dolphins well. And obviously the Niners are my team. So it's going to be really interesting. I hope they never play each other in the Super Bowl, though. I hope that never happens. <laughs> well, they've, they've already done it. The Niners won. But I hope they never play each other again.
1: Again, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and 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 you got to look at it and you got to say, when we talk about this trade, the 49ers, if Trey Lance turns into a franchise quarterback, what you're looking at is that the outcome of that trade is that the 49ers got a franchise quarterback. The dolphins got two franchise wide receivers and an edge rusher. Like those are pretty equivalent in terms of impact, right? So in, in all reality, you're looking at what amounts to a win-win, which arguably that is what you want. I mean, it, it trades aren't always a zero sum. It's not one winner and one loser. It, it can help both teams or it could really be a loser for both teams. So, you know, but like you said, Al, it, we don't really know until we see what Trey Lance turns into. So, you know, we're still looking you know, a season or two down the road before we can even make that, you know, uh, comparison or, or, or see who won one.
2: So the first question I wanted to get to is from Derek and it goes into what you're talking about with Bosa, Brian said, I asked, are you hearing anything about the Bosa contract as in how big is it going to be? So I haven't heard anything specifically, other than that he's a huge priority for them, but I looked at the Watt contract and then someone reminded me about the Miles Garrett contract and TJ Watt has 80 million guaranteed. Miles Garrett has hundred guaranteed. And I think Garrett is five years for 125 million. Don't remember the annual Uh, value for watt but it's 80 it's 80 guaranteed so i think at minimum watt is 28 28 so i think at minimum you're looking 90 guaranteed for bosa i would think but you said with the cap exploding and everything he's probably gonna want to beat that garrett contract especially if keeps playing the way that he has and bosa right now he has a defensive rookie of the year under his belt so I get the numbers here um he was hurt obviously in 2020 but he had 15 and a half sacks last year he led the NFL tied with Watt for 21 fit tackles for loss. He's tied right now with eight and a half sacks for the lead in the league. He has eight sacks in six playoff games. That's coming up huge in the biggest spots. So he might be able to say to the Niners, "Garrett got hundred mil, I want more. It's a it's a reality. And, that, and if they want him, they may have to pony up for that.
1: Yeah, and Donald right now leads non-quarterbacks with 31 million in an, annual average value. And so he could look to possibly eclipse that as well and 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 you'll get no argument for me that he's worth it because he is
0: 100%. yeah
1: i don't i don't uh, care what they pay him
0: <laughs> i really don't yeah. yep. i yeah. mean he's 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 an absolute franchise changer like like 2019 doesn't happen without nick bosa doesn't happen no They're very simple yeah. and uh yeah. just uh just a, just a point of reference so bradley chubb uh he signed the, the extension after the trade to miami and uh he got five years 110 mil uh 62 63.2 guaranteed so both oh, far far
1: above.
0: okay yeah. yeah so 63.2 guarantee um so both us far far above that right like we know that yeah. he's he's far above what Bradley Chubb is so i feel like yeah you're looking at between 90 80 to 90 million guarantee which is <laughs> if you think about for for normal joe's like us that's just like a stupid amount of money that's just guaranteed mm-hmm. to you for playing a child's yeah. game but i mean like man that's it's crazy that, football that, that, is a uh,
1: man's game zane they, football is a, a man's
0: game Zane drives a Porsche. I don't want to hear about, isn't there, do you have a Porsche? I
2: do.
0: I do. Yeah. I don't I, like your I, Porsche. Every man, your Porsche. Uh, we do have a, we do
1: have a question in the chat, which I think kind of relates to what we're talking about here. And it is from uh, it's Alan FTW 49. And he says, do you guys think edge rusher wise, we have enough to carry us through all the way and possibly a title. I was hoping they could have done something during the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I think they have more than enough in terms of edge rush. I think their problem right now is on the interior. That was actually where I was hoping I could see them make a move. Uh, But hopefully Armstead comes back after the bye. Uh, He is a large part of that interior and he's a a large part of their run defense. But you've got Bosa, you've got Ebukam, you've got Amenahu, you've got Drake Jackson. Jordan Willis will be back after the bye uh, from uh, from his injury. Uh, you still got Kerry Hyder. Like they've got, they've got an embarrassment of riches uh, at the edge rusher position. So it it's arguably the strongest uh, position group on the roster, uh, if if you look at it that way. So yeah, I think they have more than enough edge rush talent. The question is, will Armstead come back? Will Kinlock come back? And do they have enough on the inside uh, to to face some of these teams that that can? Run the ball really well because we know when they face the team that ran the ball like they run the ball, they got their ass handed to them by the Falcons. So,
2: keep it I on the In case Amy's wondering, <laughs> <Enjoy a CRV. laughs>
0: what, what color is it though? Black. Season, there you go there just, you just go. like your heart out with when it comes to yeah, the 49ers yeah. black just like i'm like, all black but, but, uh i uh keep an eye on drake jackson and and his development he's he's been slowly developing into a very very reliable pass rusher it's not showing up on the stat sheet but when you look at you just look at the highlights you look at the tape he's constantly near the quarterback he's winning his battles he's getting close and eventually like you know when when, when you get close enough to the quarterback eventually you convert those into sacks right so right now when it comes to it like he's he's uh got uh he's only got the three sacks on the season but uh that being said like he's been able to get near the quarterback he's got uh five qb hits so far so um you know he's getting around the quarterback and he's got he's got more pressures than that so i think that when he's a rotational piece he'll be really good but eventually that's a guy that you can probably count on opposite bosa and just the athleticism is just off the charts, right? So I think that that's one guy to keep track of. Many who you mentioned, Charles Many who has been fantastic again, not showing up on the, on the stat sheet, but he's been fantastic this year, winning in one-on-one battles. Um, so I think that they have uh, a good rotation there. And you didn't even mention like Samson Ebicom, you know, who's also had it, who who kind of tailed off a little bit. He was he was having a better year at the start, but he's another one of those guys that can been- kind of flash a little bit here. So
1: he's been battling an Achilles injury that uh, Barrow said for some players might've kept him off the field, but he's played through it. So that's part of, part of, I think his slowdown as well. Ebokom that is.
2: So next question is from Jeffrey. He said the second half of the Rams game was the best the Niners have looked. Do you think the team has finally turned the corner? We touched on that a little bit earlier, um, but a little bit more now, you know, we'll see is the best that I can say, but I will say this. McCaffrey adds an element that they have not had. And if anybody can help them to turn the corner, I really think this coming from the never pay the running back guy. I think this move may have changed their season around. I think he's that good of a fit. I think he allows everybody else to be that much better. And I think if the defense can stay healthy, the McCaffrey move may have been the one that finally, yes, helps this team turn the corner.
1: I think McCaffrey unlocks Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think even more than that, I think McCaffrey unlocks Kyle Shanahan's creativity uh, in personnel packages. And so I am just excited to see McCaffrey and Debo on the field at the same time. I'd love to see some 11 personnel, right? That's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, right? You get Iuke, you get Debo, you get Jennings on the field, but then you can have uh, Debo uh, shift back to the backfield. Now, all of a sudden you've got McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield. They could run it. They could all, all go out on a route. Like there's just so much. There's just so much that Kyle Shanahan can do to manipulate the defense now with a guy as versatile as Christian McCaffrey. What he's going to be able to have with Debo and McCaffrey is a truly positionless offense, which I think is going to be really exciting to see in the second half.
0: Who knows? Maybe Kyle didn't actually need an elite quarterback. Maybe he needed an elite running back to make this offense go. Who knows, right? He because tried for years. He's tried for years yeah. to get one. And we yeah. see why now, because this offense and look, any offense with Christian McCaffrey is gonna look great. It's gonna look different, right? Sure. But we never seen it like this before, right? With just the explosive plays and like the consistent explosive. Every time it touches the ball, it's five yards, right? Running or catching. <laughs> and we we just haven't seen that because it'll be like, all right, like two yards here, three yards there, no gain, and all of a sudden like you know Mostert or jeff wilson or, or elijah mitchell whoever it is bust out like a 20 yard run right then it's more of like two three yards and then like a seven yard run so just that consistently like you know we're going to get five yards every time we touch the ball i think it's great and i think it again it's unlocked a short passing game with with this quarterback is is going to be vital and limiting mistakes and keeping the clock running using short passes to supplement runs keep the other defense on the field that's a that's how we're going to win games
2: All right, the next few questions kind of go together. The first person wanted to know, um, is McCaffrey going to change his number to 22 since Wilson was traded? And league policy says you can't change a number during the season. So the quick answer to that one is no. And then an answer uh, or a question from David and Greg both kind of go together. Um, Wanted to know when Mitchell returns, do you think we'll see the formation with both of them in the backfield? And will Mitchell be the early down running back while McCaffrey is the muddy down back? Now, I'm really interested to see the way that Kyle deploys this but I, I it would I would be hard-pressed to believe that McCaffrey is going to come off the field very much. I, I, Mitchell will get some carries. I think maybe he'll get a couple series, maybe that type of thing, where McCaffrey would play third down if, if that came up. But I, I just think, like we said, McCaffrey is going to be the key from the offense. Mitchell will get some carries. Maybe he'll get five, six, maybe. And then I, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of McCaffrey. Personally, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, but
1: i think you could also see formations that have McCaffrey split out wide with mitchell and J- use check in the backfield as well yeah sure and there's there's Maybe there's I'm that right. opportunity as well that's the thing about McCaffrey is he's a running back but he's got the hands of a wide receiver as we've as we've seen so i mean that catch that, that touchdown catch was incredible right like just good. that leaping catch i mean there was it wasn't a question right so Yeah, I I agree. I I have a hard time seeing McCaffrey come off the field. Although I do hope that that they don't run him into the ground, which it feels like Kyle Shanahan would be want to do is Mm -hmm. just lean on him and right like you know he somebody asked him. I think it was Barrows asked him on it was either Monday or Tuesday. Hey, why did Christian McCaffrey get those carries at the end of the game? And Shanahan had some answer about. You know, referencing the the Detroit game in Week One of, of last season, where they were up by I think at least two scores late in the game, then all of a sudden, you know, there was only a handful of minutes left, and all of a sudden, you know, Detroit is is only one score away. But that's fine. But why isn't why wasn't Jeff Wilson getting those carries, right? Why was it McCaffrey, or why yeah, I mean, wasn't yeah. TDP getting? Yeah, that's what he said.
2: Some of the things that comes out of that dude's
1: mouth. Yeah, um, and I'm like, but then why, yeah, about why about Why wasn't Wilson getting those carries or why wasn't probably. TDP getting those carries? That was the thing where I was like, you didn't really answer the question. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, uh, I'm kind of worried that, you know, he's just going to, you know, it's like a kid with a toy, right? That just squeezes it too tight because they love it. And then all of a sudden it breaks and you're like, oh, like I know that you broke that out of love, but <laughs> it's still broken. So please, Kyle, don't break, Christian McCaffrey cuz you love him so much. Let's you know, let's let's uh let's spread the love a little bit and uh and and get some of these other
0: guys involved. All right, two more questions I, guys. Oh, sorry, Zane, go ahead. I think uh, real quick, I think Kyle's record uh when the team runs 30 times or more, I think he's undefeated. So, if they can get to 30 rushes in a game, I think that's uh, we heard that last year, right? There was a game, I believe I forget which game it was, where they they needed to get to 30 to win the game and they got to like 40 in that game and they ended up winning the game. Um but that's kind of like the threshold for me. If they can get to thirty, that's great. And whether that's like you know twelve carries for Mitchell and eighteen for McCaffrey, that's fine. Or whether it's like twenty and ten, whatever it is, I feel like Mitchell's going to get more than five or six. I think he'll probably get like ten to twelve carries, or ten to twelve touches a game.
2: All right, this number this comes from Fani. Do you guys think McKibbets can eventually take over from McGlinchy this year or next year? And um, I don't know about McKibbets, but I, I don't think McGlinchey is going to be back. And and listen, he kind of gets a bad rap. I mean, he's got he some does. bad reps at bad times in it. the worst times. <laughs> yeah. And they're usually pretty bad. Yeah. But overall he's not a bad player. No. Um I people get frustrated with him and I can see because again, there's some clutch moments where it doesn't come through. But having said that, I don't think he's going to get a second contract from this team. I don't know who's going to take over from him for him. That may be a point of emphasis in the off season, but I would be very surprised if McGlinchey is back next year
1: they've got a lot of options that they could, that they could put out there that will be under contract next year. Uh, and that includes Daniel Brunskill. That includes Jalen Moore. That also includes Spencer Burford who played tackle in college. I know that he's playing right guard right now, but, um, and then McKibbitz as well. So yeah, they've, wow. I, I don't see them signing re-signing McGlinchey, but at the same time, mm, I don't know that those guys are the answer. So, you know, I know that there's going to be uh the The backup right tackle for the Eagles, uh, who is uh, a Washington State product. What is his name? Um, Andre Dillard. Dillard. Dillard will be a free agent next year. So maybe they spend some money at right tackle, but maybe it's not on McGlinchey. I, I, I don't think it will be on McGlinchey.
0: All right, Al, we got time for
2: one more. Yep. And just real quick, too. We didn't see Jake, Jake Brandle come in. So who knows who the manners have? Like you said, Brian, yeah. they may have people. in. True. True. All
0: right,
2: last one. What record do you... This is from Zay. What record do we need to have to finish to have in the second half to make the playoffs? Ooh. So, at four and four, okay. I think if you're not winning 10 games, you're in trouble. So, they got to win six, six and half. three. So, yeah, yeah six, to and three. six and three, which is yeah. totally attainable with the schedule and, and their talent. Yep. They, if they don't do that, it's a massive disappointment.
1: Yeah, I think 10 and seven is the floor at this point, based uh, again on the, the schedule in the second half and. The players coming back and the the way that they put it together in the second half against the Rams, coming out of the bye, being able to to install more of a Jimmy Garoppolo offense along with Christian McCaffrey, like you said, Zane. So yeah, I think ten and seven is the floor. I think eleven and six is not. Uh, it, that's not crazy. Um obviously uh 13 and 4 would be the <laughs> the best that they could do, um, which means they go undefeated in the second half. I don't see that happening, but but yeah, I think I think they have to win the NFC West. Uh, and I think that is going to take uh 10 wins and and I think they can get there.
0: Yeah, likewise. I'm I'm down with it. 10 and 7 playoffs, division champs. You gotta win your division. You're not, you're not. You're not making the playoffs unless you win your division, right? The NFC, there's too many teams ahead of them right now. I don't expect the entire NFC to collapse. Uh, I think they'll catch Seattle, and I think they'll win the division. And I say we'll see.
2: (laughs) Oh, the wet blanket Uh ends it. On On that note, everybody, thanks for the questions. For Brian and Zane, this is out. Peace.